Praise the Lord. Well, that was great. You know, let me just mention one thing. Uh, I think this has been said about our Karis Bible studies, but one of the, one of the biggest uh, questions or comments that we get from people is that once they get turned on to the grace of God, they don't know where to go to get uh, encouraged in this. They go to churches that uh, criticize it and speak against it. And so there's a real need to connect with people in your area to do that. So that's what this Karis Bible Studies is about. And if you go to that website and put in your zip code, it'll bring up all of the Karis graduates who are teaching these Bible studies in your area. And it's a way to connect with other people. So that is a really good thing. I encourage you to do that. And we now have, I think it's 70 something Bible studies and we are just beginning to roll this out. We've had to get a lot of things done and we will be promoting it on television. And we're believing that we'll have 300 Bible studies within a short period of time. And we have thousands of Karis graduates. If we had all of them participating, you know, we could have well over a thousand people doing Bible studies. And if they just average 10 in each Bible study, that could be 10,000 people on a weekly basis that we could be reaching like this. And so I think this has great, great potential. And so I encourage you to become a part of that. If you are a graduate, I encourage you to get signed up because we would love to have you do that. Praise God. I wasn't in here for Wendell's deal. Was it good? Yeah. Were you nice, Wendell? <laughs> Wendell always has something to say. And when I'm not around, uh, I just wonder what he's going to come up with. Uh, <laughs> were you nice? All right. I was out with the children this morning. You know, I've always told people that I hate ministering to the youth because they just don't seem to care. And you have to get in there and do a dog and pony show and entertain them to keep their attention. But the last four times or so that I've spoke to you over in the UK, it was awesome. And here last year was great. And then this morning, I'm getting to where I actually like ministering to the youth. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. But man, these were awesome kids. I tell you, they love the Lord. Many of them came up afterwards and talked to me. And so I love it. I'm just not very good at entertaining people. But it was, it was good. Paul, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that testimony. That encouraged me about the insurance thing. So you're going to think I pinched this from Paul, but let's turn over to Isaiah. Chapter 26 and verse three, scripture that I've used, Paul used it. But we've been talking about abiding in the presence of the Lord. And of course, it seems like everybody, this is what they're talking about. What did you talk about, Wendell? Were you on target or were you the only one out of the group that missed it? He said we all missed it. Oh, we all missed it. He's the only one that got it. I well, anyway. We've been talking about dwelling in the presence of the Lord and everything has just fit in perfectly. I believe that God has been speaking a message to you. I also was talking to Charlie and Jill last night and saying that, man, their songs have been perfect about, you know, be still and know and abide in the vine and everything. And I said, I guess, you know, you picked those because of what the topic was. And they said that they picked them weeks ago so that the uh, band could practice. So I mean, even down to the music, has been amazing. I believe God is trying to uh, get across to us that he wants to 
dwell with us at all time. He wants us to be conscious of him, keep our minds stayed upon him. So here in Isaiah chapter 26, and let me just jump down to verse three. It says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Well, this, this says a lot of things. There's no way I can unpack all of it. I just want to focus. I've mentioned this earlier, but when it says whose mind is stayed upon him, that's talking about to seize, to lay hold. This is not talking about just a casual every once in a while you think about the Lord. This is talking about a person whose attention is focused on the Lord. You know, there's many scriptures that talk about waiting on the Lord and many times people will say, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. And what they mean is they've prayed and they've asked for something and then they just forget it. And they're just kind of, you know, waiting on God to show up. But when the scripture talks about that, those who wait on the Lord, Isaiah chapter 40, I believe it's verse 31, will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. When the scripture says that, that isn't talking about just passively waiting, like you're just sitting there tapping your foot, waiting on God to come through. This is talking about like a waiter is waiting upon you and they're looking and a good waiter will be watching you. And if your water glass is low, man, they're right there to fill it up. If you need something, they're there. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about having your attention and your focus upon God. And brothers and sisters, most of us are not focused on God the way we should. We aren't dwelling in God. We aren't letting this peace rule. But this is a promise that God will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him, focused upon God, fixed upon God is another way to say this. And uh, so anyway, we've been talking about that all week long. What I want to point out this morning is that the word that's used here in Isaiah chapter 26, verse three, where it says the Lord will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The word mind here in the Hebrew is the exact same word that is translated imagination many times in scripture. I think that there's 39 times in the Old Testament that the word imagination is used in 20 something of those times. It's this word that's used right here for mind. So what this means is that I believe that a large part of keeping your mind stayed upon God is fixing your imagination upon God. That's a big statement. And you know, most adults don't really think about that they use their imagination. We think of about imagination like children, that they have a vivid imagination and stuff. But as you grow up, you get to where you just deal in reality and you don't imagine stuff. But the truth is imagination is an important part of your mind and how it works. You can't think without an imagination. Many people have confused imagination and fantasy. They think that like when you go to Disney World and you know, you're dreaming about being the princess or something or, you, or living in the castle and all of this stuff, that that's an imagination. Well, it, it may be uh, related to it or something, but that's more of a fantasy. The word imagination, if you look it in the dictionary, it just literally means to be able to picture something in your mind that you can't see with your eyes, something that's not present. You use your imagination when you drive. You know, if I was to ask you, how do you get out of here? 
You can't see our drive right now. You can't see those things, but you've seen it when you drove in and you remember, and you could tell somebody, well, you have to go down here and at this construction trailer, you have to take a right and go out and, and you take that road and it'll curve around. You could tell me where it goes. You could, you could describe the uh, guardhouse down there and things because you've seen it before and you have a picture of that in your mind. That's your imagination. When you do anything, you use your imagination. Did you know you can't build anything? When we built this building, we had to get an architect and I drew on a napkin kind of what I wanted this to be. It was not very, very good. But uh, uh, the architect, we started talking and he started drawing things and they would give pictures back and we would see things until finally I saw it and I said, this is it. And then they drew plans and the people who built this building, they had to look at those plans and stuff, and they took what I was seeing on the inside of me that was communicated to an architect, and then he drew it, and then these builders, these workers, built this and stuff. And it's because they could picture it. Uh, you know, I built a deck on our uh, house, and uh, I've since replaced it with a flagstone patio type of thing. But when I was building that deck, I, I put a five gallon bucket out there and I sat on that five gallon bucket and I would just stare out there. And Jamie sometimes would wonder what I was doing. I was trying to picture, it was my imagination. Before I could build it, I had to sit down and picture what I wanted it to be like. Can you imagine what it would have been like if we had said, all right, here's $32 million is what we spent on this whole building process and said, here's $32 million, build me an auditorium and stuff. What, what would have happened? I can guarantee you it wouldn't have been this. We had to sit down and we had to use our imagination and draw pictures. This is why we have statements like uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. Because whether you realize it or not, you think in pictures. Some of you aren't relating because you've never sat down and thought about this. But man, if you studied the word imagination and studied things in scripture, imagination is a powerful force. Before I explain some things here, look over in Genesis chapter 11 and look at this. This is after the flood and then it's talking about the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. And it says uh, in verse five, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one. They have all one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. The Lord said that your imagination is how you basically conceive things. As a matter of fact, this, this uh, Hebrew word that was used here and over in Isaiah 26, verse three, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. That word means conception. That's what the word means if you look it up in a Hebrew dictionary. Your imagination is where you conceive things. It's your spiritual womb. You can't do anything that you haven't conceived. You can't give birth to something that hasn't been conceived. And the Lord said that now, since they are united, that there will be nothing restrained from them which they have imagined to do. 
whether you know it or not, whether you understand and relate to everything I'm saying, your imagination is how you conceive things. And if you can't conceive it, you can't get it. The sad thing is most Christians allow their imagination to think and conceive things that you never want to give birth to. And we can't understand why we are so depressed, why it is so hard for us to believe. It's because in your imagination, you have been focused on and conceiving unbelief and doubt. We have been taught how to think negative. We've been taught how to operate in unbelief. These examples that Paul gave this morning, everybody was just looking at the circumstances instead of listening to God. And because of it, they were allowing their imagination to see the business going out of business. They were allowing themselves to see them having to get a new job, having to go do things. And most people think, well, that's just prudent. No, it's contrary to the promises that God had given Paul and the things that the guy who was in charge of that business, he had heard from God. And you have to control your thoughts. You have to dwell in the presence of God. You have to keep your mind stayed upon God and don't allow your mind to go places and conceive things that you don't want the birth. Man, that is awesome. That is a powerful truth. And most people don't understand this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Not as you think in your head, as you think in your heart. It's, it's on this heart level, the things that you are thinking on and dwelling, the things that your mind, your imagination is stayed upon is what's happening in your life. That is awesome. If that's true, which it is then you know what? Focusing, staying your mind, specifically your imagination upon God and not allowing yourself to imagine failure, to imagine defeat is a super important part of receiving from God. You know, one of the problems I run into is when I pray for people who've been sick for a long period of time, once you get sick, and if you've been sick for a long time, and if you've prayed, and if you haven't seen a healing manifest, you know what happens? Your imagination gets tainted. Your imagination, you get to where you now picture yourself sick. You see yourself sick. You think sick. You plan sick. People that have allergies and have grown up with it, they will around certain times of the year, they expect to have problems. They think that way. It's in their imagination. They've conceived it. They've lived with it. They adjust. When they dream, they dream sick. You know, it's one thing if you hurt yourself and can't walk or something, but when you get to where you dream sick and you're no longer able to walk, when those things that are happening in the physical realm get to where they've invaded your soulish realm and your imagination and you see yourself sick, you see yourself poor. That's terrible. And I have to tell people all of the time, I said, getting your body healed is not that hard, but getting your mind healed to where you see yourself well, well, that's where the problem lies. And people don't recognize this. They just pray and they're asking God to somehow or another invade their life and give them something different than the way you see yourself. It's not going to happen. As you think in your heart, so are you. You've got to start in your heart. You've got to see things in your imagination the way that God says that they are. 
Your imagination is the ability to form a mental picture of something that you are not seeing physically, but it's in your mind, in your heart, you see it. You know, I've used this as an example many times. Most of you do not, you've probably not sat down and counted the number of doors in your house. But you know what? I could ask any person in here, how many doors do you have in your house? And you could tell me, although you've probably not counted them. You know why? Because you could look at it. Sitting right here in this room, you may be thousands of miles away from your home, but you can see your home and you could count the number of doors. I could ask you, how many windows do you have in your house? Most of you have never sat down and counted your windows. And yet you could sit down and if I was to say, how many windows do you have in your living room? You could sit down right now and count them because you've got a picture of it. You think in pictures. You can't do anything without pictures. You can't give me directions to the airport without pictures. You'd have to say, well, you go out here and you, you go up here to Highway 24 and you turn left at this light. And if I was to ask you, you know, most of you don't know this area, but if I was to ask you how you head out to Deckers, a town over here, you'd say you go out here to 24, you go down and your very first light after you get on 24, you'd turn left, that's 67. And see, I'm sitting here describing things to you that I can't see that from here, but I've got a picture of it on the inside. That's how you give directions. You can't drive someplace if you can't picture where you're going. Whether you know it or not, your imagination is something you use every minute of every day. And if you aren't conscious of what I'm talking about, and if you don't understand this, then by default, your imagination is going to start going to the negative. You know, Barry taught the other day about his neighbor that quit taking care of his yard. He didn't go out and plant weeds. They just automatically come up. If you don't sit here and understand the power of your imagination and take control of it, well, then by default, it's going to go bad. You're going to start seeing failure. You're going to see yourself weak and sick and poor and all of these things. It takes effort to focus your mind, your imagination on the Lord and see things come to pass. And brothers and sisters, most of us have a very negative imagination. We picture failure and defeat. If the doctor tells you you're gonna die and he says you got four months to live, most people will immediately, their imagination will go to picturing this. They'll go to thinking about what's it gonna be like? How am I gonna suffer? And you will go and relate to other people that have had something similar and you'll immediately identify and start picturing that. You'll think about your funeral. What songs are they going to sing at my funeral? What are they going to say about me? You'll think about your family that's left. Do they have insurance? What's going to happen? Will anybody miss me? And you, that's a negative imagination. And you are conceiving things when that happens. On the other hand, you could take the word of God that says that, you know, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And you could take the word of God and you could sit there and picture yourself healthy. And I'm going to say something here. If I had time, I could defend this. I'm not, I don't have time to defend it, but I believe with all of my heart that you cannot experience anything in your physical body or your life that you haven't already pictured happening. And if you refuse to see defeat, if you refuse to see failure, if you refuse to see yourself dying of this sickness, and if all you did was keep your mind stayed on the word of God, 
He would keep you in perfect peace and it would be impossible for you to fail. For you to fail, you've already failed in your mind being stayed upon God. That's a powerful, powerful statement. And again, I, I've said this many times and I've had people come up and say, but I, I didn't plan on this. I didn't see myself failing. I didn't see these things happening. But we live in a fallen world and things will come your way. You could have sicknesses attack you that you didn't necessarily see. You didn't bring it upon yourself. You could be exposed to something, but the ultimate outcome, whether you overcome it or whether it overcomes you is dependent upon your imagination. If you have only seen yourself as only human and I'm no different than the person that doesn't know God and I, you aren't thinking about the authority that God has given you and the power of your words and by his stripes you're healed. And if you just think like a mere human being, then you have limited yourself in your imagination to only physical results, only what the doctors could produce only what the natural realm can produce. And that imagination limited you and stopped God from moving. Many of you have heard me talk about that this whole project here, the Lord told me in 2002, I was limiting him by my small thinking. At that time, we had a 14,000 square foot building. And now, uh, anyway, it's a long story. I don't want to spend, I could spend a lot of time talking about this, but man, it is fantastic what God has done since then. At that time, we had 29 employees. Now we have over 500 employees worldwide. At that time, I went back and looked this up not long ago, and I forget exactly, but in 2002, I think we were at one point something million dollars average income. Now in just the U.S. alone, we have to have over $40 million. And that's not including all of our foreign offices and things that are going on. And we need much more than that. I need about 60 million a year to keep all of this building stuff going. We have grown in, what's that, from 2002 to 2015, 13 years, we have grown nearly 40 times, at least a, a minimum of 20 times we've increased. And you know what the difference was? God spoke to me that I had limited him by my small thinking. That was my imagination. I had a word from God. God told me that I was going to reach the world. God told me we were going to do a lot of things, but you know what? I wouldn't, I wasn't seeing it. And there's reasons for that. Because when you first start out, God showed Jamie and me. I remember before we got married, Jamie gave the Lord, a, uh, the Lord, or excuse me, the Lord gave Jamie, not Jamie gave the Lord. <laughs> the Lord gave Jamie a scripture about that I will preach in the great congregation. And Jamie and I both believe that someday we would be speaking to people all over the world. We believed it. But did you know when you start out, and I, for the first two years, pastored a little church in Seagoville, Texas, and we had anywhere from three to five people in attendance. And three of them were my family, Jamie and me and my oldest son. And sometimes we had, I had an associate pastor, Marshall and Cindy Townsley. There was nobody but us, but I had an associate. So most of the time it was five of us. And sometimes we'd have up to 10 people. And for two years, I ministered like that. And the largest crowd we had was 12, except when we gave away free food. And sometimes we had more people than that. 
but normally anywhere from five to 12 people. And when you have five to 12 people and you're talking about, I'm going to have a worldwide ministry and I'm going to preach to the great congregation. You know what? People just look at you like you're crazy. It doesn't seem appropriate. And so I got to where I quit speaking my vision. I mean, it's like if you reach down and pet a dog and if every time you pet it, it bites you, eventually you're going to quit petting that dog. And if every time you tell people that God's given me a worldwide ministry and they look and it's you and your associate pastor and that's it, after a while, you just quit saying it because of the ridicule and the stuff. So I got to where it wasn't appropriate. It wasn't time. And so I quit saying it and we struggled for decades and went through all kinds of hardship. The largest church I ever pastored was a hundred people. And I mean, we were just struggling, struggling, struggling. And finally, when we started on television in 2000, our ministry doubled from 1999 to 2002. It doubled. I thought, man, awesome things were happening and we were coasting. And for the first time in our life, I could see light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't another train. I mean, it looked like we were going to live and not die. We were ministering to people. Things were working. We weren't behind. We were ahead financially. And you know what? I was just enjoying it. And then God shows up and says, you're limiting me by your small thinking. And I realized that even though we were growing and good things were happening, that it was, matter of fact, during that summer, I sat down and the Lord showed me at the rate we were growing, to reach my vision and accomplish what God told me, I figured it out and, and projected that it would, I would have been 120 something years old by the time I would have begun to accomplish the goal. And my lightning fast mind figured out that I'm moving way too slow in this. Even though we may have doubled, it was just not gonna get there. And uh, so God challenged me that I had to take the limits off of him. And man, I, had, I hadn't got enough time to even do this stuff justice. But in a nutshell, what I did, I repented first of all. And I realized that it was a fear of men. It was a fear of people's ridicule and rejection. I didn't want people ridiculing me and saying, no way you'll ever get there. I also didn't want people thinking that I was trying to build my own kingdom, which was a real problem with me. Some people don't think that way, but I did. I did not want people to think that I'm trying to build a kingdom or doing this for myself. And I guarantee you, there's been people that have criticized me every time we talk about building buildings or doing something. People think I'm trying to build a kingdom and, and stuff. And that's not true. It's not true at all, but people criticize you. And I didn't want the criticism and I just didn't want these things. Also, I didn't want the potential of failure. You know, we were in a place to where I could have just coasted and I wouldn't have failed. I could have been ministering. And at that time, I forgot exactly what our uh, stats were. But I know that when we started on television, we covered 3% of the U.S. population. And I think in 2002, we were up to 6 to 7% of the U.S. population. And we were on the God Channel reaching a lot of people overseas and stuff. And, you know, that was good. And it was changing people's lives, but I could have done that forever 
and never have had to have stretched myself, believe for anything. And I didn't want the potential of failure. There are some of you right now that just as Paul was talking about, God's speaking to you about coming to Bible college or it could be other things, starting a business, taking some step of faith, increasing what you're doing. And you really know that that's God speaking to you, but there's a resistance on your part because you don't want to risk failure. Most people would rather play it safe and be miserable than to run the risk of doing something great. I could spend a lot of time amplifying on that, but there's a lot of people that honestly, they're afraid. They, they would rather do less. They'd rather play it safe than to just go for it. I'm telling you, this is not a dress rehearsal. This isn't like we're practicing for the real thing. Every day that the sun rises and sets, you've lost 24 hours. You've either invested it towards what God has called you to do or you have just blown it. And we need to go for it. God's a big God. God never created any of us to just be people that are insignificant. Now you need to define that somewhat because not, God didn't call everybody to be on television or to do what I'm doing or something else. But God called you to be absolutely miraculous. Your life should be miraculous. In your realm of influence, you should be, man, shining like a light. You should be making a difference. It ought to be that when you're gone from this earth, somebody misses you. But there's people that live a whole life and they live and die and nobody misses them. I'm telling you, if you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> you need to live on the edge. You need to go for it. God created us for big things. And I, even though I knew God had spoken things to me, I was limiting him. And it was in my imagination. I wouldn't let myself see myself doing the things that I'm doing now. I wouldn't let myself do it because I didn't want the criticism of people. I didn't want the potential failure. There was just a lot of things. I got a whole series on this that'll explain all of that stuff to you. But in my mind, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't see these things happening. And when God finally got across to me, January the 31st, 2002, and spoke to me, Psalm 78, 41, that I'd turned back in my heart and I'd limited the Holy One of Israel. I repented and I said, God, I'm sorry. And I began to start dreaming and saying, all right, what is it you want me to do? And I started seeing myself succeeding and seeing myself doing things. I called my staff together. Was there any of the staff? You were here, Wendell, weren't you? When I called the staff together in 2002? No, were you over in England? No, you were gone. You were on back when you were out visiting Egypt. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, is there anybody here that was on staff when all this happened? Stephen. Oh, Stephen was here. Yeah, Stephen was here. Anybody else? Here's some over here, Cecil and Lisa. I called my staff together. I think we had 29 employees and I just told them, I said, look, I have limited God and I repented in front of them. And I said, I don't know how long it takes to change this image on the inside. If you'd remember, I said that. I said, I have seen myself. I've, I've got a word from God that I know I'm supposed to be doing more than I am, but I had never seen, I wouldn't let myself see it. I felt like it was fantasy. I felt like it was dreaming. And I wouldn't let myself imagine 
me doing everything God had spoken to me. And so I said, I don't know how long it takes to change this image on the inside. I said, it may take a week, a month, a year, 10 years, but I said, I'm changing. I said, I'm gonna start dreaming big. And part of it is just like I was sharing yesterday, Psalms chapter 31 and Psalms 42, I believe, it says, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You need to write these things on your heart. One of the ways you activate your imagination is with your mouth. You have to start speaking it. And so I started saying in the name of Jesus, I will do these things. And I started speaking out what God had put on my heart. And by doing that, I was writing this on my imagination. And I began to focus and I, I could spend hours telling you all the things that have happened, but the bottom line is, I mean, nearly immediately like that, my whole life began to change. Doors that I had been knocking on for years all of a sudden opened up. People started coming to me. God started sending us people. It was like in the spiritual realm, God had been flowing all of the supply to me that it was necessary for me to accomplish the vision. But my negative imagination had dammed it up and I wasn't seeing the supply. But when I changed my words and began to start changing my thinking, it's like this dam broke. And I mean, whoosh, like this. I had a supernatural supply of finances. God began to bring people to me. I had tried to get on the Daystar Network for two years. Marcus and Joni Lamb were friends of mine. I'd spoken on their thing at least five times and they just turned it over and I'd get up and speak. And yet every time I tried to go on Daystar, they would quote me a rate that was twice what they charged anybody else. It was weird. I couldn't understand it because they were real friendly to me and we got along and my good friend Bob Nichols at that time was their pastor and he was an influence in their life. There was just no reason for us not to be on Daystar, but we could not get on Daystar. And did you know that within two days of me calling our staff together and saying these things and beginning to dream, I got a letter from Marcus Lamb and he said, why aren't you on Daystar? He says, what's the deal? He says, forget the money. He says, you start Monday, you uh, ship tapes to us and we'll put you on and I'll make you a deal that you can't refuse. And I mean, boom, just like that, that door that I'd been knocking on for two years open. It took me two or three months to put together a letter and send it out to our partners. And so before anybody heard about what God had spoke to me, our income nearly doubled. And you got to remember that this is after 9-11. And when 9-11 happened, most ministries tanked. Jerry Savelle nearly went out of business. Uh, Kenneth Copeland struck. Every ministry that I'm aware of took a huge financial hit because people were focused on what was happening in the nation. They quit watching Christian programming. They, their mind was on this and they started giving to... Uh, you know, Red Cross and stuff to help and things like that, which it turned out that like 30 to 40% of all of the money that went to Red Cross was misused and abused and went into people's pockets. Wrong thing to do. But anyway, people quit giving and stuff and ministries took a hit. So it was during that period of time that it was a bad time for media ministries. But before I could even tell anybody what had happened, before I let them know, our income just exploded 
We begin to have money come at us from every direction. I'm telling you that there is something in the spiritual realm. I don't even know how to describe all of this, but it's like in the spiritual realm, your imagination controls lots of things, not just physical, tangible things. There's things in the spirit realm that when you are thinking negatively, God is giving you the supply. God is trying to get his healing to you. He's trying to get the prosperity, the joy, the peace, all of these things to you, but your mind dams it up and you cannot experience in your physical body what you can't see and imagine in your mind. And if you would start imagining and seeing yourself, keeping your mind stayed upon God, focused upon God, seeing that God loves you and refusing to think contrary to that. Dwelling in love is dwelling in God, 1 John 4, 16. And if you were to think this way and see this, it just does something in the spiritual realm. It releases God's supernatural supply you would begin to start seeing God move in your life. He will keep you in perfect peace when your mind, your imagination is stayed upon him and you would have a supernatural flow. And you know, there's, I don't have a lot of things going for me as Stephen so eloquently pointed out yesterday. <laughs> Joseph Prince is handsome and charismatic and all we've got is Andrew. have a lot going for me, but you know, one thing I've got going is that man, I am imagining big and I am seeing things happen. And I'm telling you brothers, in a way I take, you know, it's like Paul, he says, I, I take pleasure in infirmities and in necessities and stuff, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I get a lot of pleasure out of knowing that I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And yet God is doing awesome things through me because God gets all of the glory for it, not me. And I can truthfully say that the one thing that I really have going for me is a personal relationship with the Lord. I love him. I dwell in his presence and I keep my mind stayed on him and I reject these negative things that come to me the same as they come to you. You know, I could sit down. We have mentioned very few things, but right now we are just in a crisis point in this whole deal. And by tomorrow, I have to make some decisions that could have, you know, huge impact for years and stuff. And I could sit down and I could be as negative as any person. Did you know I've sat down and figured out I have to have like $4,500 every hour of every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, $4,500 during the time that I've been preaching this morning, I need $4,500. If you sat down and thought about all of that, and that's just to keep things where they are. For me to finish the buildings and stuff, I probably need somewhere around six to $7,000 an hour during the hours that I'm sleeping, during the hours that I'm eating, Every hour, I have to have thousands and thousands of dollars. If I was to sit down and let my imagination run wild about what could happen, I could be as depressed as anybody. I could be as fearful as any of you. Amen. But you know what? I just don't go there. 
I don't think that way. I came in, uh, I forget how many weeks ago, but man, they started putting steel up in this building so quickly. It was, it was shocking to me. Matter of fact, I was talking to the uh, builder a couple of days ago and he said he has never had a project like this where things just went together. He says it is supernatural. He has never seen things like this happen. He says they're moving faster than he could imagine. And I came in after being over in England, Poland, Italy, and Wales, and I came back and I was overwhelmed with seeing how much progress they had made. And some of my staff was looking at this and thinking, oh man, we're, we're nearing a deadline and we are, and all of these things are true. I'm not saying that those things aren't true, but people were wondering, how are we gonna finish this? You know what I did? I came, and the way I looked at it, was look what God has done. It was 32 million for the property, all of the plans for this building. We've already put out, uh, I forget, eight, 8 million or something like that towards that one. And, and within two weeks, we'll have to pay another two and a half. So it's around 10 million. I see all that we've already done. And the way I looked at it is, God, how could you do this much when we had nothing? We had zero when we started this thing. When we came and looked at this property, Stephen, when we stood on that thing over there, we had no money whatsoever. And you know what? In 34 months, we have put out 40 million in addition to our normal expenses. And I look at this and my imagination just goes wild on the positive side. How could God bring us this far and let us drown? Man, I just look at this and I'm encouraged. My imagination is going wild in a positive way. And some people, they just see all of the negatives, see what we don't have yet. Well, you can, you can choose to look at what we already have or what we don't have. You can choose to see the glass half full or half empty. And I'm telling you, it's not just your personality type, it's your choices that determine whether your imagination works for you or works against you. And all of this is involved in dwelling in the presence of the Lord. You are gonna have to get to where you stay your imagination on the Lord. If you're having problems with your kids, instead of seeing the worst outcome, you need to turn to the word of God and see what the word of God has to say and say it's not over yet. Man, as long as they're breathing, this thing's got the potential to turn around and you got to focus the word and with your imagination, see it working out with your kids. If, if the doctor's giving you a death sentence, don't focus on what he said and imagine yourself dying and see yourself sick. The worst thing you can do is go to the internet and study on your disease and get everybody's bad opinion about what's going to happen and how to cope. Man, you need to go to the Word of God and saturate yourself with the Word of God and get to where you see yourself well. Some of you have heard me say this, but it's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. But many, many, many years ago, I got to reading John uh, 14, 12, where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And it just dawned on me, man, this says that if I'm a believer, this isn't just for preachers or for, you know, special people. This is a believer that we will do what Jesus did and even greater works. 
And I thought, God, I haven't seen those greater works yet. I haven't even seen the same works. And so I got to meditating on that. And I specifically took every time that Jesus ever healed a person in the New Testament and I wrote it out and put it on the computer and I went to studying it. And then as I did that, I got really inspired to just focus on the number of people he raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter and, you know, others and Lazarus. And I would, you know what I would do? I would use my imagination I didn't just read about Jesus raising these people from the dead, but based on John 14, 12, he says, if I believed on him, I would do it. So I would read about him raising Lazarus from the dead. And then I'd close my Bible and I'd see myself doing it. I'd see myself standing in front of the tomb and yelling with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. It's not enough just to see that Jesus did it. Can you see yourself raising somebody from the dead after four days buried in a tomb? Have you ever seen yourself doing it? Some people think, well, that, that's fantasy. No, it's based in reality. It's based on what the word says. I started meditating and thinking this way and it became such a focus of mine that I got to where I dreamed every night I raised at least a dozen people from the dead every night. I did that for months because I was focused on it and I was speaking it and I was writing it on my heart as I spoke it. And did you know it wasn't very long after that until a man in our church in Pritchett, Colorado died and I went over and boom, just saw this guy raised from the dead. And some people would not connect those two. But I'm telling you, there is a direct connection between what happened in the natural and the way I was thinking and using my imagination. And then it was over 10 years later that I just got to thinking, you know, I hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead in four or five years. I saw two or three people raised from the dead uh, pretty quickly. And then it was like five or 10 years, I hadn't seen anybody raised from the dead. And I got to thinking, well, the same thing that I did before would work again. So I took those things and got to meditating on it and seeing it and speaking and standing there and yelling with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And it wasn't very long after that until our son died. And praise God, he got raised from the dead after being dead for four hours, nearly five hours in a morgue, stripped naked, in a cooler with a toe tag on, dead for nearly five hours, came back to life and no brain damage. No more than before. And there is a direct relationship between that imagination and me imagining and seeing these things happening and then seeing it happen. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, many of you are desiring the great things of God. You want it. You come and you want me or somebody else to pray for you, but you don't see it because you haven't seen it. You got to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. You need to see yourself prosperous. If God's leading you to come to Karis Bible College, don't let your imagination sit there and see yourself dying and starving. And what am I going to do? I don't have a job. I'm, and thinking all of this. It says that if Abraham had been mindful of the country that he came out of, he might have had opportunity to have returned. Hebrews eleven fifteen. 15. 
If his mind, his imagination would have gone back and thought, boy, in Ur of the Chaldees, we were some of the founding fathers. Everything was going our way. We were rich. We had it all going for us. And here I've been in the promised land for 26 years and don't even have a piece of ground to bury my wife in. If he had gone to thinking that way, it said he would have had opportunity to return. You cannot be tempted with something that you don't think. So quit thinking on failure. Quit thinking on defeat. Quit thinking on things. If God tells you to do something, don't look back. Forget the things that are behind and press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If God calls you to come to Karis, don't think about, oh God, what have I done? What am I giving up? And start thinking negatively. Start thinking about the future and say, God, it was so good back there that for you to leave me here, there must be something better coming. And start using your imagination and seeing yourself prosperous. That's what the Bible calls faith. Man, I got some great teaching on this. I didn't even hardly get into it. But your mind, your imagination has to be stayed upon God. And if you'll do that, then you'll have all of this peace that Paul was talking about today. It is directly related to your imagination and how you see yourself how you see the future, how you see things. You've got to start using your imagination to see yourself doing what God called you to do. Man, that's awesome. Father, I just pray for everyone right now. And we pray that our imagination right now is just energized by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, for people that have instructions from you, a word from you, and yet they will not imagine it. They are afraid to dream big. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit is just inspiring them right now. Some of you have, man, had a dam built up that has held back all of the supply, the blessings of God. And right now this dam is breaking in your own mind. All of these limits are being taken off of God and you are going to experience a flood of God's supernatural provision coming unto you. Some of you have just never let yourself dream because you have fear of finding, how am I going to afford this? What are people going to say? I'm not qualified. I'm not talented. I don't have this ability. Praise God. Right now, I believe that all of these restrictions are being taken off and you just let your imagination begin to start embracing what God has for you. I say in the name of the Lord that this small thinking, this limit that we've placed on God is coming off. Praise God. Boy, I just discern by the spirit of the Lord that there's miracles taking place in your mind, in your imagination right now. And it may be in the future that when you see the physical results, but the miracle took place this moment. You are being delivered and set free in your mind, in your imagination right now. And it's just a matter of time until as you think in your heart, that's the way that you are. Well, God's leading some of you right now. There's a powerful anointing in this place to set people free. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask those of you who know that you've been limiting God, you wouldn't let your imagination go. You've been thinking in the negative instead of in the positive. And God rang your bell this morning and you're saying, man, from this time on, I'm changing. 
If that's you, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe God is setting you free and you are going to start seeing supernatural, supernatural manifestation. Thank you, Jesus. Father, for all of these standing, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. We cast down these imaginations that are negative and contrary to the things of God. And we loose, Father, your positive imagination. Father, we embrace it. Right now, I want you, you don't have to scream it out, but just start talking right now and with your tongue right on your heart what it is that God's telling you to do. Start dreaming big and start speaking it right now that I will accomplish everything that God gives me to do. I will get these buildings built. We will raise up a Bible college here that is going to reach around the world. We will impact people and change people. Father, we will change nations, plural. We will impact people. Your power will be, we will flow through here. Father, it will come to pass. Everything that you want us to do, any additional property buildings that we have to acquire, thank you, Father, that we have all of the finances that are available. I'm speaking forth my vision, but you speak your vision. Talk over yourself, amen, that we will accomplish it. We will do it. Cares Christian Center will grow and reach people and you're gonna have a worldwide television ministry, Lawson. It is coming to pass. It is happening. We speak it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We see ourselves healed. Father, we see sickness drying up, dying and leaving us. We see demonic oppression gone. We see our children responding and being touched by you right now. That all of the lies, the deception, we break it now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we see our children reason coming back to them. They're coming back to their right mind. Thank you, Father. Father, we see businesses prospering. We see ourselves getting promotions and raises. Thank you, Father, that people are gonna start businesses and prosper. Thank you that ministries are gonna prosper. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we just agree. Cecil and Lisa, you got dreams on the inside, big dreams that you haven't seen come to pass. Man, you need to go to speaking them. It's all coming to pass. Where you are is good, but there's even more. It's greater, bigger. 100% healings every time. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just speak these things. We speak that, Father, we are taking the limits off of you. Thank you, Father. We just receive it. Thank you that miracles are taking place and that the miracle took place right now. And when, it, when we see it happen, that's just the birth. But the conception is taking place right now. People are becoming spiritually pregnant. Their imagination is conceiving victory in all levels. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And let's just praise God right now. Praise God like you just received a miracle. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.